You're listening to Earshot from WXXI News. I'm Veronica Volk. This week, meet the man responsible for planting 15,000 daffodils in Mount Hope Cemetery. I've been known as a daffodil man, a keeper of the kettle. <laughs> Plus, a welding class geared toward young women aims to create a boom of female tradespeople that rivals Rosie the Riveter's heyday. I think the freedom of having just women in the class maybe gives them a little less fear to ask questions and try and maybe make mistakes. All that from your local news podcast, Earshot. Support for Earshot from WXXI News is provided by Rock Vox Recording and Production, presenting Legacy Cast, audio and video recordings of loved ones telling their stories for posterity. Produced in a full service studio located in Bushnell's Basin. More at rocvox.com. If you head inside Mount Hope Cemetery, down a few windy turns and narrow paths, you might stumble upon a small clearing, a sunken little field called a kettle, full of bobbing yellow daffodils. And if you're lucky, you'll run into the man behind all of it. Bill? That's Bill as in Bill Whitney, but he goes by many names. I've been known as uh, Daffodil Man, uh, Keeper of the Kettle. (laughs) Up in Lincoln, Maine, it's Billy still. (laughs) Even though Bill has lived in Rochester for many years, you can still hear his Maine accent creep through every once in a while. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I met Bill on a sunny weekday afternoon, tagging along with City News editor David Andrietta. We'd heard about Bill's daffodils, all 15,000 of them, and counting. So you envision sort of a kettle or a field of daffodils. That's right. Yep. How many bulbs will that take over the years? Oh, um, I want to go everywhere. I mean, I can't get enough bulbs. Bill's been planting here in the cemetery for a few years now, with a little help from family, friends, even some local volunteers. But this didn't come completely out of nowhere. His love of plants runs deep. Bill grew up on a potato farm in Lincoln, Maine, spent his mornings preparing potato seeds for planting, and his reward was seeing them flower. Have you ever seen a potato field in bloom? Oh, it's just beautiful. It's so beautiful that the area celebrates it with an annual Maine Potato Blossom Festival. And this is true, there it crowns a potato blossom queen that the locals call Little Miss Potato. Eventually, Bill went to college at the Rhode Island School of Design for landscape architecture. He worked on Cape Cod, designing intricate gardens for the island's homes. And then that's where I met Mike. Mike Whitney is Bill's husband and longtime partner. Now, Mike, were you in this line of work too? Um, I'm retired, uh, but I have been Bill's assistant off and on for 30 years. 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> Even though he says he's retired, Mike is still an integral part of Bill's work on the Daffodil Project. And uh, this last year almost killed us. (laughs) Why? We're just getting old. (laughs) Okay, so there's something I haven't told you about Bill and Mike. These daffodils they're planting, they're not just dropping them haphazardly throughout a historic cemetery for seemingly no reason. They're actually planting them in the area where they've decided to be buried. 
This is would be my last garden. It all started four years ago when Bill's mother died. It got the Whitney's thinking about their own legacy. And it was a perfect example of what happens in a family when somebody dies without any estate planning. And uh, I didn't want my, our families to have to deal with that for, for us. So all set. <laughs> what goes through your mind, Bill, when you think about resting in peace among oh, the I, kettle and the daffodils? I think this is going to be wonderful, you know. And my family is all over. They live in California, Manhattan, and um, they're not going to be able to come and see me. But people will come to see my daffodils, is what I figure. Do you believe there's a heaven? Yeah. Maybe right here. <laughs> yeah. Right here, among the daffodils, and the rhododendrons and boxwoods and ferns that they've planted, and where they've already purchased a plot where they'll be buried. I have a question for you. Yeah. I feel like some people might think that it's like a little bit dark. They to, oh, they do. To pick yeah. out the spot where you're going to lie to rest, but you know, yeah. what do you what do you say to that? I like knowing that that detail of life for us is taken care of. But uh, there are a number of people, uh, friends, who um, hate to have me talk who think about it. Who think it's morbid, um, and I think that springs from their own more fear and uh, their own mortality. That that's not something to talk about. See, I'd, I'd like to have a big party here. You know, why not? <laughs> it's a beautiful area. You mean when you die or before you die? Both. <laughs> really? It's, Invite me. I, I, I'm here. If others find darkness in the Whitney's preparing their own gravesite, Bill and Mike clearly don't. When they're not working on beautifying the area with various plants, they're picnicking here. They even got their headstone in place, a large white monument with the name Whitney across the front. And it's confused a few people. Like one man who was walking through the area with his family and stopped to chat. And he said, well, um, what's your name? I said, Bill Whitney. He said, you related to him? And I said, that is me. <laughs> and one of them went, do 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 and then there was the time when a woman noted the inscription Loving Husbands on the headstone and asked, but where are the wives? Bill says he got a kick out of that one. Another inscription on the headstone reads, Nothing gold can stay. It's from a Robert Frost poem. Nature's first flower is gold. It's hardest hue to hold. Her early leaves a flower, but only so an hour. So leaf subsides to leaf, so Eden sank to grief. Um, dawn goes down to day, nothing gold can stay. So it's about mortality? Yeah. And yet the hope is that this garden will stay. Yeah. I think it's beautiful. Thank you. Bill and Mike Whitney are hoping to set up a kind of trust to continue to fund the daffodil planting after they're gone. But until then, they'll be there to put bulbs in the ground in the fall and return in the spring to see their garden grow. Thanks to David Andrietta, the editor of City Magazine. He did a full write-up of the Whitneys and their daffodils, and you can read it at rockcitynews.com.
Hi, this is Megan Mack from WXXI. And if you're enjoying Earshot, subscribe to our other podcast, Connections with Evan Dawson. Catch up on discussions about current events, arts, politics, and interesting people. Subscribe to Connections with Evan Dawson wherever you find your podcasts. And finally, men represent an overwhelming majority of construction workers and tradespeople, and welding is no exception. But that wasn't always the case. Now, a welding workshop at a local city school is defying the status quo. My colleague Noelle Evans has this story. Angelie Sanchez is a freshman at Edison Career and Technology High School on Lexington Avenue. She's one of about 15 students of color taking part in a women in welding workshop. Right now, they are constructing an artistic metal bench. It's mind-blowing, actually. Like, it's new to us, and then we're building a bench for a school. It's just crazy. Their art teacher, Annie Niederprim, has been helping them brainstorm what their part of the bench will look like. Well, the end result is going to be a functional piece of art um, that is going to stay here at Edison and represents uh, the programs that we offer here um, in Edison and CTE. So it will be a bench that is usable, functional, um, and also be beautiful. Metal sculptor Stacy Merva is leading them through the project. Oh, here, you want to hold that? You have gloves on. She's been working as an artist for more than 20 years, making bespoke furniture, abstract lighting fixtures, and one-of-a-kind sculptures. She says initially this was a welding class for anyone, but most of the students that showed up were girls, so she decided to embrace that. I think the freedom of having just women in the class maybe gives them a little less fear to ask questions and try and maybe make mistakes, and they support each other, which I think is a really amazing thing. Jim Putnam is the welding teacher here. He says learning this skill builds confidence for students, but the program is also about expanding their career options. Somebody that's learning how to weld or learning how to be a machinist or an electrician or whatever can walk out of here and make $30,000, $50,000 a year. When it comes to jobs in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, or STEM jobs, women make up about half of the workforce, according to the Pew Research Center. But most of those jobs are in health-related fields. As for welders, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, as of 2020, fewer than 4% are women. There you go. Perfect. The job market wasn't always so male-dominated. During World War II, as more men were recruited into the armed forces, millions of women, including about half a million black women, were recruited to take on factory and industry jobs. In an old film called Manpower that was put out by the U.S. Office of War Information in 1942, women were still considered the weaker sex, but were also praised for doing some jobs better than men. With every man utilized, we are still short millions of hands. We must call upon women. Training schools are open for women. Light metals used in aircraft are easy for women to handle. But they undertake every form of shop work, even invading such fields as welding. But after the war, women were pushed out of those jobs that were considered men's work. The boom was over. Fast forward to today. The teachers at Edison Tech running this welding workshop hope to inspire a small boom of their own. Regardless of what students decide for their futures, 
Merva says there's something deeply satisfying about the act of creating itself that can lead to personal discovery. You know, one of the first days when we got them really working with the materials and creating things, there was a definite buzz and excitement in the air when they built something in one class period and were able to take it home with them. And I know for me, that's my personal joy, is, is something didn't exist and then it does. That's what Anjali is just uncovering for herself through this process. I say I was proud of myself because I didn't think I could do it. To be honest, like I was nervous the first time I welded something. And then I got used to it and now I'm building a bench. The bench is still in the works, but it's expected to be complete by the end of the school year. Noelle Evans is the education reporter for WXXI News. And that's it for Earshot. Subscribe to this podcast to get new episodes in your feed every Friday. Find even more local news at our website, wxxinews.org. Music this week from Blue Dot Sessions and Poddington Bear. I'm Veronica Volk. Thanks for listening. This program is a production of member-supported WXXI Public Broadcasting, Rochester, New York.